Well, good gracious alive, we made it to 2022. Hey, it's Connor. Happy New Year. Um, so it is it is New Year's Day. Don't uh don't don't let yourselves be deceived. It is not the spring yet. So what am I what the hell am I doing here? I'm here because I said, if you read the fine print of our little hiatus, that I might be around here and there to do an episode. As well, I said we, I spoke for Dustin and I. So Dustin is not here today. This is not a regular episode. This is more akin to the film news episodes. Um, but I just wanted to pop in and say hello, give you a little New Year's surprise, and uh, just touch base with you for a minute, if I could. So it's the new year. Uh, I hope everyone's doing well. I hope everyone's safe. I hope great things for the year ahead. I think we all, we can all agree on that. So I wanted to do a couple of things. I wanted to just sort of pop in and talk about um, a little bit of my thoughts about uh, the show this year uh, and then just touch base on a couple of, not even film news items, just like just a couple of things that I, I, I may have had a change of heart on since the last time you heard me rant on this uh, show, which may have been the last full episode where I was complaining about Denis Villeneuve and um, people who don't like movies on streaming. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about movies on streaming. So Warner Brothers recently dropped the another trailer for The Batman. It looks really cool. Um, I'm really excited to see it. It's going to be in theaters on March 4th. Um, so only a couple months away. So I was uh, I was about to cancel HBO Max. I did cancel HBO Max um, or it's going to run out on the third. Uh, I'm going to take a break from it for, for January. So I'm not going to pay for it. I'm going to binge some other stuff on Netflix that I'll talk about uh, later on when the show comes back. But I was looking at the um, slate of movies I want to watch in 2022. And a lot of them are on HBO Max. It, it's undeniably a great service. It's just expensive. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I remember that HBO Max said that they're not going to have day and date releases on there in 2022. And I was just curious, like, I wonder how they're going to retain subscribers subscribers through uh after that because that's a big selling point. The answer fell into my lap in the uh a few days ago in the form of an article on Yahoo News by Jacob Siegel. Um and it was just talking about when you can stream the Batman on HBO Max. And I knew like okay, it's not going to be anytime soon, but and again, this might be old news, but I just it made me think of something. 45 days is the answer. Um which is something that we kind of thought could happen. Um and this was announced in October. This, like I said, it's not new. Warner Media announced it would move to a 45-day uh, theatrical... Wow, 14-day. Wouldn't that be something? A 45-day theatrical window in 2022. Going forward, Warner Media movie can move to streaming as soon as 45 days after it starts to play in theaters. Um, CEO of Warner Media, Jason Kilar, said that the movies will show up on HBO Max on, on day 46. The Batman will. Um, which he rightly says is a big change from years past where when movies would come onto like HBO, it'd be eight or nine months after theaters. And even if you remember going further and further back, depending on the age of the person you're talking to, movies didn't come out until two years after the theatrical release or, you know, one year or nine months. And I remember when it moved to six months and I was like, wow, that's insane. The news itself is just a short little blurb. It's nothing, you know, to, to really write home about, but something that, occurred to me about that was that's not too bad. And that is a selling point of a streaming service. Now, theoretically, Disney plus could do the same thing, 45 days. And then it's on Disney plus, um, which I believe is what they did with Shang-Chi. When did Shang-Chi, when, when did Shang-Chi hit Disney plus November 12th? 
November 12th. I believe it came out like September 9th or something. September 3rd. So it was like 11 or 12 weeks. Okay. So it was like 12 weeks after. Okay. So, right. That was about, that was 12 or so weeks, 11 or 12 weeks after its release. I mean, that was tolerable. Now I say that and I'm sitting here dying for Spider-Man to, to hit VOD somewhere so I can, I, I would pay a hundred dollars to rent that movie right now. I, I can't go see it. Uh, COVID cases in my area are tripling and, um, and I'm not going to be able to see the film in theaters in all likelihood. And because it's a stupid Sony movie, I'm not going to get to see it on Disney plus or any other streaming service, especially at the 45 day mark. So it may be a while. I'll talk about more about that in a second. Um, so, uh, that's pretty soon. Now it might be too soon for some people, but that all depends on who you ask. How much money does a movie make on its sixth or seventh week in theaters? It depends on the movie. A movie like Spider-Man, which is making like half a billion dollars, they would not, if, if it was still making $20 million every weekend, it's not going to, it's not going to pull it out of theaters, but they might go, okay, you know, we'll hedge our bets there, whatever. The point is, this goes back to the point about, about theater exclusivity and whether or not stuff like this is going to become a writer in the contract of a filmmaker or not. I just thought it was interesting. Um, again, I'm not bringing you this new, this isn't breaking news. This is three month old news, but, um, this, uh, at the same time, I just thought, um, that, that, that sparked something in me and not to mention that, that, um, HBO rolled out all the trailers for everything that's coming in 2022 on Max, and among them is the season two of The Flight Attendant and the next season of Barry. So I'm I'm already excited for their content, and I'm just like, damn it! I was hoping for like a little, uh, I was hoping to look back and go, yeah, I was right to to give that a hiatus, and now I'm like, oh damn it! I can't wait till February so I can renew my subscription. So that's something. Um, let's talk about movie theaters. Um, this is again an old article from Deadline in uh in October. About Joe Russo, one of the Russo brothers, uh, talking about the future of the film business and how he does not see a resurgence of independent movies at theaters. I don't see a resurgence of independent movies at theaters. You get more money to make them digitally. It's the easiest thing for Netflix to greenlight, and nobody really bothers you creatively. Movies are going to evolve. I'm not sure what theaters will look like, but I know it's going to be more premium. I mean, and again, this just reinforces, you know, pretty reasonable assumptions you could make about about the film business and the film industry, like, you know, because of how much exhibitors are being squeezed and how much studios are being squeezed for content and to make as much money as possible off of a thing, you know, the more reliable a movie is going to be, the more money it's going to make, the more of those are going to get made, the more people are going to see them. And there's bigger conversations to be had about why that's happening. Who, whose fault is that? Who's demanding those things? And the, the big answer is it's, it's what the audience wants. But like it or not, this exists because of what we do as a, as a market, as a, as a consuming force. Um, we don't support independent movies um, enough in theaters. So they get made less by places to be put in theaters. But it's sort of like Joe Russo says, that's a good thing about streamers is that they are making independent film and that's where they live now. And ironically, that what's, that's what might get them seen more, more frequently, unless there's an algorithm like Netflix, which only gives you, it, it does the, it does its own little version of the studio thing, which is here are the things we think you'll like because based on the things you watch. And we're going to give you things that we are pretty sure you're going to watch because we don't want you to tune out or disengage or deactivate your account. Whereas you just want sometimes for it to go new and independent cinema, which is something my dad used to do on like iTunes. My dad used to go on iTunes um, and just look for, he would just go browse the short films 
I don't know a consumer like him who would still possibly do that. And I don't know an algorithm that would see value in doing that for its user. I would hope it would happen. Maybe it's not, maybe it's on other streaming services and not the big ones like, like Netflix. Um, I thought that was interesting as well. Um, what's also interesting is again, in this discussion is, uh, this thing from deadline. Now I didn't know about this series. This is, this is, uh, this article is a few days old, but it's just there. Um, them announcing, okay, here's like the next episode of this video series they're doing called two shot. And I'm going to read you what the editor's note says on this. Cause I didn't know what this was. I couldn't find it on YouTube. I don't know if deadline has a YouTube channel. I couldn't find it. Uh, so you have to go to their website to consume this. So you ought to, um, the editor's note says deadline presents the third episode of two shot, a video series in which Pete Hammond and Todd McCarthy tackle the artistry of films. Each has reviewed and written about the craft for decades and built a remarkable breadth of knowledge of films past and present. What we hoped for when we asked them to do this was a concise, mature, thoughtful conversation comparable to what we saw when Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel were alive. I think that's great. I want more things like this. I want more, I want more, I want to hear more things where critics are talking to each other. Um, yeah, I like that. Um, so I watched some of this and this, the title of this one was streaming versus theatrical. Can the movie going experience still be saved? It's a 14 minute conversations between these two. It's really great. I encourage you to go listen to the entire thing. Um, but it, it kind of changed my perspective on, on something I'm very opinionated about. I want you to listen to this little uh, excerpt. I have another feeling about that. I mean, I've watched obviously most of my films over the last year and a half on a home screen of one size or another. And um, as I pointed out a while ago, I have not liked as many films this year yeah. as I have in the past. And it makes me wonder if part of that is that I'm just not engaging with them as much at home as I used to on the screen. Because when you're in a darkened movie theater, you're there, you've paid your money, and you want to be involved in what you're watching. But when you watch and just flick something on on TV, if you don't think much about it, or if you have 20 minutes, you want to go do something else, and then you come back to it, it's not the same kind of involvement that you had when you went into a dark movie theater yeah so it makes me think i'm maybe i'm even watching these movies and liking them less than i would have liked them or would have gotten into them more if i'd seen it in a theater but this way movies can kind of come and go uh and you can watch them in segments and so on it's not the same thing as being in a place where you're immersed in what's going on and you're not doing anything else that is a great point because I have to tell you, I feel that way exactly. The sound, the picture, the experience of seeing it with an audience is completely different than watching it at home. And I find the exact same thing. I watch movies, you know, you get set links all the time as a critic, you know, to watch something. And you have to, first of all, spend half an hour trying to figure out how to hook it up to get it onto your big screen TV, if you've got a big screen TV, to watch it properly. I don't want to watch anything on my laptop. I don't want to watch it on my big screen TV for the first time, especially with my name emblazoned, which they do. But even without that, if you're watching Netflix or something, I don't remember the experience. You know, I don't, but I remember every movie I see in a theater, if it's good, I remember where I see it. And my whole life, I can tell you where I saw these movies. Absolutely. And could I tell you when I saw, you know, something that was on Netflix or Hulu or Paramount Plus? No, I can't. So that's interesting. The idea that a streaming experience is a lot less likely to be memorable when it comes to the first time you viewed a film. That's going to be anecdotal and that's going to really depend on the person and how good the film is and whatever else. 
but I really can't argue with that. And believe me, I like to argue. I like to argue with things like that for sure. Um, the only exception I can think of in my personal experience was Dune. I thought Dune was so good. It didn't matter that I was watching it at home on HBO Max. I enjoyed it. And I thought that it was such a good movie that it didn't matter. It, you know, it still enveloped me. But by and large, they're right. Even movies I enjoy, I mean, unless I pull out the list of my reviews and, and you know, it's not going to be like, wow, what a memorable experience this was watching it at home in the comfort of my own home. As much as I talk about how valuable that is to me, in retrospect, they're right. It's not as good as, man, seeing Endgame in theaters was so satisfying or seeing Toy Story for the first time in theaters or, you know, seeing uh, such and such movie. They're right about that. And the, I'm not sure which one is which of these, of these gentlemen, so forgive me, but, um, but one of them said, am I liking movies less when I watch them at home? Because, and this is something Dustin has pointed out, are they more disposable when they're seen out of the theaters? There is, as much as I argue, and I've argued the other point of that, so let's argue that point for a second. Yes, but when, when you're watching it as casually as you watch anything on television, or anything on YouTube, you know, they can be. Now, the 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 argument against that is, and, and my splitting hairs is going to be, it depends on the user because there are just as many people who can sit at home, turn off the lights, engage in a film without pausing it or looking away at their phone. There's just, there's, it's just as easy for you to do that as it is for you to go to a movie theater and do something distracted. Talk to your friends the whole time. Look at your phone the whole time. Get up and go to the bathroom. The only difference is you can't pause it. But the behavior that you display while you watch a movie, that's still on you. I don't want people to think like, oh yeah, like seeing a movie is better in theaters or seeing a movie at home is better. It, it, it's neither. It's your preference. But when it comes down to the quality you extract from it, it's not like there's a ceiling of quality. Well, there's a measurable ceiling of quality for for home viewing. But in terms of like picture resolution, you can, you can get a movie in 8K or whatever at home and, you know, you could have a, you could, you could have a screening room in your house. That's just as good as any theater or even just a, a really good living room with a great um, entertainment system. That's just as good for a single person as it is for theaters, you know, minus some aspect ratio stuff, but, but, but within, within the realm of splitting hairs for the average person. But if you want to talk during the whole thing, it doesn't matter if you're at home or at the theater. Like if, if we've learned nothing else, like people being at the theater doesn't make people be quiet. It really doesn't. Um, but there is merit to this. So I, I would encourage people to go watch the whole interview. And I'm going to be certainly looking out for more of these things because I, I think I, I'm obviously I'm talking to you through a microphone right now. I find this sort of stuff interesting to dissect. So uh, bravo to Deadline and Todd McCarthy and Pete Hammond for uh, putting on uh, this little show because I like it. I think it's valuable. And uh, and it was short too. That's another cool thing about it. The last thing I want to talk to you about is this article back from October from Bleeding Cool News. And it is by Caitlin Booth. And it is a, it's a, it's a editorial. It's called Let's Talk About Criticizing a Movie in Spoiler Culture. So I'm going to read a little bit from this. So she's talking mainly about, she's, she's bringing up like tent poles, like Eternals, and Spider-Man No Way Home in terms of how can you review movies 
when you can't talk about the spoiler elements or do you just spoil it so you can get people to click and look at your Twitter and stuff? Yeah, fans were surprised when not one, but two critics from Variety who attended the premiere for Eternals got on Twitter and posted spoilers for one of the post-credit scenes for all to see. Since then, there's been a debate among the public and the entertainment press about those actions and what we should learn from it. She says, here at Bleeding Cool in the film section, we try not to post any significant spoilers until the Saturday after the movie comes out at the earliest. Even then, the spoilers will be clearly marked and not something we will take that will take you by surprise in a headline. Talking about the story of a movie is part of the review process, and if there is any a spoiler that truly breaks the film for someone, should that spoiler be discussed in a review that runs before the movie comes out? Does the social embargo mean that people who attend those early screenings have the right to talk about spoilers on social media? These are the questions that people are asking, and unfortunately, there is not an easy way to talk about any of this. Um, what it really comes down to is not being a jerk to everyone around you. Marvel fans are infamous about dropping off social media weeks before the movies come out to avoid any spoilers that might come across their feed without them knowing. Connor did this. Some people are going to post spoilers right there for everyone else to see just because they want to ruin the experience for everyone. I don't, I disagree about the motivation. It's more about they just don't care if they ruin the experience. They don't want to ruin the experience. They don't care that they are because they care that they had the experience and they want to share it with people. And they don't really give a damn if people who haven't seen the movie yet see that there were quote there are many people who weren't happy when the implication came down that disney may not invite the critics that spoiled things on social media to any more premieres and she says that's an entirely reasonable thing to happen there's nothing that says you as a critic have the right to attend a premiere it's a privilege and anything and anything that says a studio has to invite you to one is is you know not true the article makes me think about a few things one, just Twitter is awful. <laughs> Twitter's terrible. Um, I think if you are reviewing films and you want to talk about spoilers, you need to very much warn your audience that that's what you're doing. I think that there's something inherent in consumers and in social media users to be careful not to read comments, um, which I think should be disabled in all social media. I don't think comments should be allowed on the internet. That's my little hot take on social media. Comments should not be possible. Um, I think I, I think I could save the world with one with one edict. I'd say you have to take comments off of every social media platform, and that would be that'd be my one move as king of the world. This brings me to to Spider Man. So. It's January 1st. I still haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home. And um, I was going to go see it on January 6th or 5th because that was the earliest that I knew I could go see it. And then the COVID cases in my area tripled in like a day. And I was like, okay. So it went from, I'm, you know, and in the meantime, I got off social media. I don't check it. I haven't looked at any film news. I don't need to because we're on a podcast hiatus. I didn't do anything. And, um, but once I found out that I had no idea when I'd be uh, when I'd be seeing the film versus I can make it till um, I can make it till this date, then it was like, OK, I can't live like this. I went ahead and allowed myself to be exposed to a few spoilers. These spoilers were I, these are spoilers that I consumed and heard about audio only. I didn't look at any pictures. I didn't look at any video reviews. I listened to video reviews. And when it got too specific to plot points, I turned it off. Now, why would I do that? Um, because I don't want to live in a hole. And um, my, my hot take on spoilers is that a movie, if a movie is no good when you know what happens, within reason, then it's no good. I did not want to know anything about Spider-Man beyond the marketing before I saw it. 
But at a certain point, I just I decided that was unrealistic. I just wanted to know a little bit just so I could be water coolered a little bit and not be mad at whoever ended up spoiling something for me. I wanted to take ownership of the spoilers. And I suppose I just thought um, if the movie's good, it won't matter what I know about the plot. It will matter the execution. And I decided that a couple years ago, I think after Endgame, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let this bother me anymore. Um, I, I, Endgame was not spoiled for me. I saw it soon. I saw it like opening day. Um, but I did decide like, this is the last time I'm going to make such a big deal about this because I can't sustain this pace. I can't see movies as soon as they come out and I can't avoid spoilers if I can't see movies right away. And I'm not going to feel anxious or guilty about it because that's stupid too. So I know that we're probably running off of the subject of what this article is about, but for me, it, it just called to mind, like, how do you critique move? How do you talk about movies and spoiler culture? You just warn people. You just say, listen, I'm going to talk about spoilers and people go, okay. And it's up to them whether or not they want to. Re- and if you're going to talk about spoilers, don't go into specifics unless you tell people, all right, here's the part of the movie. We're going to talk about like plot points or like our favorite moments. It's like, okay, tune out. But if you want to review the movie, I think there's three tiers to reviewing a movie. You do spoiler free. You do a spoilers, like, you know, general light spoilers. And then you do like major spoilers. That's what I think anyway. Um, when we do talk about Spider-Man on this show, it's going to be available to everybody. So we're going to talk about spoilers because we're going to be telling people, you know, by then you've probably seen this. Um, but yeah. Um, and that brings me to sort of what we're going to talk about. Uh, well, I guess one more thing I'll say. But yeah, that's my little like my, my simple formula is like a movie, a movie. If a movie's not good on a repeat viewing, then it was only as good as its novelty. And novelty isn't is not equal to quality. It's equal to novelty. Um, so by the same token, when you watch a movie for the second time, you know how it ends, right? It's not going to be as surprising as the first time around, but then you'll actually go, Oh, this is great. I appreciate this even more. The first time you watch a movie is still going to, you still don't want anything to be predictable or telegraphed. You don't want to know everything that's going to happen, but you know, if you can't watch it all the way through, that's the thing. A movie like Spider-Man is it going to age well? Once once all the surprises and cameos and this person's in it or that person's in it, once that all shakes out, is the movie good on a second viewing? Once all the surprises are, are out, does the movie still work structurally? The second time you watch it, are you going to think the movie's poorly paced because you're just waiting on the big parts? And that's the thing. So, my point being, um, I wouldn't let spoilers... I, I wouldn't seek out spoilers... But if you get spoiled, I don't want you to go like, oh, damn it, because they don't have to ruin the film for you. And if the film's any good, it shouldn't ruin the film for you. So that's what I say about that. As far as the show going forward, that brings me to talking about movies like Spider-Man and stuff. Um, I'm not going to speak for Dustin and I'm not going to speak in general for the show. And I'm not even going to commit to anything for you here, because the minute I commit to something on the show, it's it's going to get broken. Um, I just want everyone to know that I have grown tired of preparing negative reviews for you to listen to. Um, if you're listening to our show, you either want to know if you want to know if we recommend a movie or not, or you want to know our general thoughts about a movie. I don't think anyone listens to hear us poop on onto movies. Um, we have before. It's been fun. 
But at the end of the day, it's sort of like we're just participating in a dog pile. And um, I don't want to do that. And so it's not because I don't want to offend filmmakers. I just uh, I just don't want to spend my time participating in something negative. So I'm going to say that if I'm talking to you about something on this show going forward, not to spoil my thoughts for a movie, but it's going to be something that I found some merit in. I'm going to be recommending this to you for one reason or another, unless I dislike the movie so much that I think something is wrong with it. So what that means is I'm not going to review a movie and just go and just joke about how terrible it is. I'm going to tell you this movie bothered me and here's why it bothered me. Whatever is bad about a movie is going to be more about what it means for the industry and less about this specific film for us to dogpile on. So if you see a film's title pop up on this show, it's going to be something I want to talk about for better or worse. And usually it's going to be better. Here's why I recommend it, but here are the specific things I like about it. I want you to, I want you to listen to our show and feel our passion for what we're talking about. And and I want you to maybe feel it reflected in you. Um, and I'm not putting any pressure on me or Dustin to see anything new. One of the things about taking a hiatus during Oscar season and the Christmas holidays and stuff is there's a lot of big movies that are out that we're not going to get to talk about when they are quote unquote relevant to talk about. But you may not realize or you may not um, stop to think sometimes that you can talk about movies whenever. I mean, every year I'm, I'm talking about movies that came out 20 years ago. And I like to think that people are listening to those with just as much fondness as they are listening to a review of the matrix resurrections, which I have seen. So, you know, I'm not going to tell you everything we're going to talk about from here on out. It's going to be a positive review because that's boring, but I'm going to tell you that Dustin and I are going to talk about what we want to talk about. And if something big came out and neither of us liked it or we were meant on it, probably not going to talk about it because it's not a good discussion. It's not a fun discussion. It's a lot more fun to talk about something that was either really bad and means bad things for this, for the uh, industry going forward or something that was really good. And let's talk about what's so great about it. That's what I want to do. That's what I'd rather do. Like our discussion about the mummy was so much fun. And the reason it was so much fun is because we were just talking about what was so great about it. Didn't matter how old it was. It just mattered that it was, that it was just a great movie. So, uh, that's my mission statement. That's my state of the union. Uh, that's our, that's my new year's resolution for the podcast. So I don't know if I'll do any more of these before we come back. I don't know that I won't. I'm just gonna tell you to stay tuned and I have a lot to talk about. Um, it's just a matter of what are we going to talk about first? So with that in mind, have a happy new year, have a safe new year, be a better you, be a better consumer of your stories, be a more responsible consumer of your stories, be a better human being, be excellent to each other. Hey, buddy. Yeah. And uh, listen to our show. Yeah, you're talking. You're talking a lot. You want to say something to the people? Can't wait to be back. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. 